I know. I know people have been asking, people have been wondering, where have you been? Where, uh, where's the podcast? Where's our Moo Mondays? And, um, I'd say just blame this one on me. I feel like, uh, let the ball down a little bit. Life's been busy. And then you get the holidays mode where you're just, you don't even know what day is when every day is the same day. You just eat, sleep and hang out with your loved ones, but we're back on a, you know, a later episode Moo Monday. Hope everyone, all of our listeners, and even if you don't listen, hope you had a great holidays. Um, Barnsey, how's your holidays before we get into the, you know, in the news segment? Uh, you know, it, it was good. Um, I mean, I got laid off, so, you know. And me too, man. Yeah. <laughs> good old lockdown uh, hit hard. But you know what? I, I took a I took a trip out east. You know, once again, Jack and I operating in the same province for a for a limited period of time, but but uh, within within one area code of each other. Uh, always nice to be close by. But yeah, no, I mean the holidays hit, and you're kind of just eating turkey for every meal and eating YVR cookies for dessert after every meal. That's that's kind of what it ends up being. Uh, yeah, no, they were uh, good times. Gotta gotta say, I I got no complaints. Yeah, no, I I you know like you had a similar experience. My family left me for uh, their favorite son, my brother, and I had the great opportunity to hang out with my girlfriend's family, which was amazing. That was so much fun. Um, but you know, let's just get into it. The uh, when you're gone for a month, there's a lot of stuff to talk about. But let's kind of head off. So much everyone's... has happened that I don't even know when we stopped this. Like I, I don't even know when it started and when it stopped. It like so much has happened. I mean, hockey got put on pause, so we've got minimal hockey to talk about. But the NFL became, as we talked about all year, the unpredictable league. Um, next thing you know, I mean, TFC makes the biggest signing in MLS history, I would arguably say. Um, not too much has been going on in the NBA. Just, you know, they're essentially handing out 10-day contracts or 10-game contracts. Like they're freaking scratching win tickets on Christmas Eve. Oh, that's a pretty good analysis. Um, yeah, there was there's kind of three events in particular I wanted to discuss. We'll stay with the NBA. Um, so Kyrie Irving is sort of back. He, uh, like you said, the Nets, like almost every other uh, NBA team is getting absolutely destroyed by COVID. So they said, you know what, Kyrie, come play away games. It's just ironic because typically in this situation, you'd only play home games. But due to the COVID rules within New York City, um, yeah, Kyrie can't play. So he's out playing on... Uh, all the road games and whatever. But yeah, I mean, the Nets were like, okay, we're in second place. You know, it's a tight race between us, Miami and Milwaukee. Who would have thought the Chicago Bulls turned first? But I mean, that's amazing. Um, so he's a part-time player. So good for Kyrie. I mean, he gets his wish, doesn't get vaxxed, and he's playing in the NBA. So I guess he wins, question mark, maybe. Um, you know, it's staying with with New York City. Uh, I don't know if you heard about this, but thank you to the Pat McAfee show for highlighting this. But the citizens of New York are suing. It's a class action lawsuit. I did. This is ridiculous. The New York Jets and Giants fan uh, organization for using the city name New York. When for those who don't know, the two teams are based in East Brotherford, New Jersey. It's about. Um, in actual distance, I think it's only like a 35, 40 minute drive, but in terms of traffic, yeah, and it's not far. 
it's it's really not far depending on which part of um new york city you're in you can actually like see the vicinity of the arena right it's not you can't see exactly where it is but it's, it's yeah. very close well it even, take even the devils are like they're 30 minutes away from yeah. msg yeah yeah it's, it's very close this is but obviously with the name new york when the two teams are in another state it's um you know can you really do that? My favorite part of all of this is if you thought those two teams were good, like when the Giants were going to the Super Bowl and beating Brady, do you think New York City fans care if no, no they don't know? It's love just that. that both of them are so bad that I guess at this point New York just wants to wash their hands of them. But you see uh, some yeah. weird lawsuits it's, in the US. Yeah. <laughs> I when I started looking into it thinking, okay, what other you know, sports teams have like the similar situation, right? Playing in one area, but kind of, you know, using a, a state name or a bigger city. Um, for example, the Cowboys and the Texas Rangers both either go by Dallas or Texas. Uh, the two teams are placed at Arlington. It's a similar situation. It's 30 minutes, but they're both within the same state or, right. you know, it's like a suburb. Arlington is of Dallas. So that's one. Um, the Arizona Coyotes. The Yeah, that's why they had to Florida change Panthers. their name. Because they're like the Trying NHL to. just said, like you guys can't do this. They're moving around so much that you, you can't just say Phoenix. Joke, but yeah. I think that's that's why you have like that's what leads to some of it is teams moving when new stadiums are built. Because obviously, there's only so much real estate in the cities, right? So you can't you, you yeah. risk. And it's also it's a pretty good. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, it's a pretty good like marketing technique too. I mean, it's this it's the team of Arizona, right? The the whole state. It engulfs everyone rather than just yeah. you know our 10 fans from Phoenix. That's all we're gonna get, right? So it's a it's a good marketing move too. But I was trying to think, like, there really isn't any other sport professional sports team like this in terms of city with another state. For a comparison, I said, you know, it'd be like the Ottawa Senators becoming the Gatineau Senators, right? To try mm-hmm. and draw more, more from Quebec. That'd be really the only closest comparable I could think. Um, or like God one of the Maritimes it. taking yeah. a different name. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, like Boston being like the New England Bruins or something like that yeah. would be a similar move. But yeah, when I first saw this, I was like, well, uh, yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> it's a full state over. It's a 30 minute drive. But yeah, I mean, I doubt anything will happen. I don't imagine the Giants or Jets changing their name, but it was entertaining, no less. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely it's a it's a fun little case study, I think, just to kind of look into and anal- analyze what their actual points are. Um, yeah, I just I just can't see with how much those franchises are worth. I can't see them losing that case, especially because I don't know that the lawyer arguing it would be of the same caliber. Or they can just bury <laughs> would it be in some, paperwork for would, years upon yeah. years. Um, but I'm I'm sure eventually you'll see them pop up back over state lines. I mean, you you've got two teams that they play in different conferences. Yeah, well, they play in different conference conferences, right? So it's not like like they can share the same stadium. It's not really going to interfere with each other. Um, and I mean, you've got two teams putting in the money plus the state of New York, who's got lots of taxpayers. So I'm sure they'll, they'll pop back over and have a state-of-the-art stadium within the next five or ten years. 
Yeah, no, I totally agree. One thing was funny when I was looking into the um, the terms of the the class action lawsuit was the the citizens were saying we'll give you till twenty twenty five to get into New York City. That's I thought that was pretty good. It's like, hey, okay, you suck. You know, maybe by then you'll be a little bit better and you'll have your own stadium, and you know we'll be actually cheering for you. But I like that aspect, that little um, little little uh, sugar coating. Yeah, I don't know how old MetLife is, but I mean, at this point, stadiums have like a 15 or 20 year life yeah, before, before they're obsolete, which and then, is and ridiculous because they cost billions yeah, and, of dollars. And then you have to buy a uh, essentially like a space fucking station worthy of a, an arena. If you go out, check out uh, the Ram SoFi well, Chargers too, but no one really cares for the Chargers. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's really it. Um NFL? Should we go to the unpredictable league? I'd, I'd say so. All right. The NFL regular season just finished. And like always, week 18 is a crapshoot. You got teams saying, oh, okay, we're going to play our starters half the game. We won't even try. We're going to, some teams are saying, you know what? Let's, uh, let's break some hearts and let's be Jacksonville and let's try and win. Long story short, Miami didn't make it. Your Pats ultimately didn't get too impacted by the loss to the dolphins. Uh, they still, st- they still play the bills. Um, you know, See, that's the thing though. They did get affected. Had they won, they'd yeah, be playing they- Cincinnati, which in my opinion, much better matchup. Yeah. I would have loved to, if I was you, yeah, I would have loved to play a Cincy over Buffalo. Um, you know, both my teams didn't make it Miami and, and Cleveland, you know, prior to the season, these two teams looked like they had a clear future, right? You had an understanding of, uh, uh, specific roles. You knew your strengths. You obviously knew where to improve upon your weaknesses. And this year has taught us that both those teams are in utter shambles. Miami just fired their head coach. Total shocker. This is a guy that, you know, players were willing to come play for. Um, he revolutionized the defense. The team actually has two regular, two winning seasons in a row. I honestly can't remember the last time I've seen that since being a fan. Um, yeah, okay, two isn't really great, but I mean, based off of you know, his I don't think that was really his was kinda, decision. I think along he was kind of path. I think he was kind of forced yeah. into that decision to take to it too. Yeah, I, I don't think if if you said this, but I definitely heard rumors in which um, he wanted Herbert, and yeah. it was the owner. I think we went back and forth on yeah. this, but I yeah, think, I think owner, we've talked about this before. Owner wanted two of, but anyways, it was the, the speculation is that Flores was a good football guy, but he wasn't a good, he wasn't a good business guy that this in the idea of he wasn't getting along with like the owner and the, the presidents and such. And when you're running, he's essentially, you know, him and Chris Greer, who I thought if anyone's going to be fired, it's going to be him. The GM guy can't scout this game to save his life. Um, if, if there's any two to get fired, it's going to be Greer, but also that Flores couldn't really connect with the owner. That's what the speculation is because the football side, it makes no sense. All right. Obviously, you know, you go from, I think, what were they last year? 10 and six, nine and seven, six to nine and eight playoffs. Yeah. But I mean, nine and eight, if the nine and eight on a service level is an issue, but when you look into how they got to nine and eight, you know, it's not bad, especially the market and the talent you have, you can take it right. It's not like you're the Denver Broncos right now. Um, But then going to Cleveland. uh, Okay. You hate your quarterback. Now, apparently your, your head coach doesn't get along with your quarterback. Uh, You don't like to use Chubb. Uh, you want to use Dernis Johnson over everyone else. Like it's, you know, Cleveland's kind of falling up, but you're supposed to have this great defense that shows up one week. The next week gives up 40. Like 
both these teams are in shambles. And then the Broncos, who I talked about, is, you know, kind of the team they've had for the last eight years. Solid defense, no offense, right? And firing Vic Fangio. Correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't he supposed to be a defensive guy? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, offensive coordinator, why isn't he just, I don't know. I don't know the Bronco system, so I don't know what really went wrong there. Um, But, you know, it's, uh, what are your kind of major takeaways before we talk into uh, more of the playoff implications? Yeah. I mean, I, I start to wonder if Xavier Howard's situation distracted the team at the start of the season. Like, I don't yeah, think that's – obviously, I don't think that's the, the reason why they went I watched those games, man. They were terrible, like, everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't stop a run. Tua wasn't great. They One game wanted to use Gaskin. Now they're going to cut him probably because they don't even use him anymore. But, yeah, I mean, you're not – yeah. I, what, it, it's interesting reason, to see, right? like – yeah, like, situations like that, they, they usually have a – some sort of implication on the team. I can't believe that the Titans end up as the number one seed. Like that just baffles me. A team that I almost lost gonna... to the Texans. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, the Chiefs come back and power to what, like a ten and one record in the last eleven yeah. games, which is ridiculous. The Bengals. The Bengals are kind of my wild card team going in. The I mean, they beat the Chiefs, but. They've also lost some stinkers. Like it's it's truly if that that defense can just get run over. Like there, there's not a whole bunch of pushback on that defense. <laughs> um, and Mixon, if Jamar Mixon's kind of yeah, he's, he's up and down. Mixon's it, hurting. It, yeah, he's a hurting. It kind of comes down to, in my opinion, if you can shut down Jamar Chase, I think you win. T Higgins I, had I, a good day the other day. Yeah. No, he did. <laughs> but I, I'm going to stand by that. I think if you can shut down Jamar Chase, I think that team gets significantly worse. And that's why I, I would have much rather the Pats play the Bengals. I think that's a, that was a really good matchup for them. Obviously, I hate the fact that they suck so much against the Dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> they really can't beat them, man. It's it's the kryptonite. I, I will Brady say it. too. Like they did, they did struggle against them. Yeah, the goat. I will say that there's a, I, th- I think you, did you watch the game? No, I was playing chill. I was too Fair upset. Enough. I uh, had a rough weekend in the other aspect of my second love for football again. Jesus Christ. Um, did you see the fake punt? No, I will today though. I'm Pat show. I'm sure he'll yeah. want to show so it. There, off, there's but... a fake punt. Uh, it came up short and the Pats got flagged for unnecessary roughness because the punter <laughs> slid. The guy didn't yeah. even hit him. Uh. Yeah. So like that's that changes the, rest, the game because I think it was 14 nothing or 17 nothing or whatever the score was at that point. And I mean it's it's at the 50 yard line. You're giving them up 15 yards in a first down rather than the Patriots getting the ball. So like I didn't watch the game either. I just saw the highlights and I see that and I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Um well but- here to go on a tangent before you continue, because this is obviously you know it stays with the kicker. I was watching the Colts game. Colts were down three nothing. They had a three and out with the Jags, and then they roughed the kicker. They ultimately Jags go on to score that next drive to make it ten nothing. If that if they go three and out and they punt that, that's a totally different game. And this just goes to show you, like I remember when I played football for ten days that like when you're on special teams, it's the shit guys on the team nine times out of ten. You know, if you're not the returner, 
you might have one year to star like um like maybe linebackers to do like a key blocking situation or something like that but your job on special teams excuse my language is not to fuck up is not to get flagged is not to do a, a holding call is not not to make a great play just you know the pats the path thing just do your job right make sure that the punt comes out and everything goes smoothly and if you're on a special teams guy and you're out running kickers man you you could just not play again like you're going to be done or you're going to be well okay let's put you know our undrafted free agent let's put our rookie let's put our you know our practice squad guy all ahead of this guy cuz he can't they can't trust him right and you know i don't remember i can't remember who the the colts player was that roughed the the punter but ultimately i mean they lose the game 26-11 um, if any coach that was going to get fired, I thought it should have been Reich. I mean, how the hell do you lose to the Jags? But anyways, well, you know, it goes back to the special teams aspect of, dude, you just, you really can't screw up. You can, you can get burned. You can make a mistake, but if you cause a, a penalty of that magnitude, it's like scoring on your own net. It's just like, what, what are you doing, man? Yeah. I mean, but, yeah. It, it comes down to coaching in the long run, like realistically. And I think that's something that a lot of head coaches just kind of come in and they're like, they're going to focus on like it, it. it's like what you park in your driveway, right? Like you want to park the nice car so everybody can see them. Okay. So, you know, coaches come in and they focus on the offense and the defense. Cause that's what every, all the fans focus on. You know, that that's what you see. If you look at the stats, you see how many passing yards per game, how many points per game and special teams kind of gets lost in that. That's kind of what you have in the garage. You know, it's not something everybody sees, but it's something that, you know, if, if you're on the inside, you're going to kind of understand and, and it'll come out when it, exactly. when it comes out kind of thing. Exactly. And when I like it does this come analogy. out, you know, it's, it's really appreciated. Like you, you're really thankful for it. All right. And I think coaches, they, they focus on what's in the driveway, the, the flashy, the flashy. And then they forget about what's in the garage and then forgetting about that comes back to bite them in the ass. Like, uh, I can't, I can't remember who the chargers coach was last year, but that team was so good. Their special teams was the worst in the league. And that's why they were so bad. Like special teams really doesn't matter unless it's really good or really bad. And a lot of the coaches that come in don't pay attention to special teams. And it bites them. It comes back. It will always come back. If you don't focus on the fundamentals, and it's quite frankly, special teams is the fundamentals, it will come back no matter what sport you're playing. No, I like that. I Yeah, I was just kind of thinking, you know, immediately um, head coaching, sorry, head coaches in the NFL that were kind of, you know, special teams guys. Um, I thought Belichick was, but he, the last time he was a special teams coach, it was with the Giants in the eighties. So I wouldn't consider that a special. It teams would be. Coach. It. I'd still. I'd still Harbaugh, put in there. Yeah. Harbaugh, okay. Peyton. Um, I think Flores has a decent. Flores background. was, although, although you know who I'm going to say next, Joe Judge, <laughs> and that one hurt. But anyways, yeah. Long story short, is you know, good, good analogy, good analysis. Thank you for speaking. Um, I did like that. Um, so. So I was looking back on, on past work of ours and we talked about the one in four teams who we thought, you know, had a good chance, right? We're confident. I mean, we talked about the Dolphins a little bit. We really went in depth about the Colts who, you know, obviously besides the fact that I cheered for them on this past weekend, they truly should have won that game. The Jags were speculated to be one of the worst teams in the last five years this year. 
and they made Trevor Lawrence look like the Trevor Lawrence he was supposed to become. Um, he was just flinging the ball around. They scored 26 points on, you know, a pretty solid defense. But if we look at, you know, the four, whatever, four and 11, whatever it is now, four and four and 12, whatever the teams are, we have the Jags, uh, Lions, Giants, Texans, Jets, and then the Panthers. Um, of those teams, which team would you want to go and head coach? Because those are all, you know, six teams that are speculated could fire their, you know, fire slash seeking a new head coach this next offseason. A good question, Jack. I'll go first. I'll go first because I obviously okay. have this noted. Um, reluctantly, I took the Giants because I felt that, you know, you are, before we get to the football aspects, you are in New York City. You don't kid yourself. You, you being that close, you will get some guys who want to come in for that aspect. Um, it is a big market too. So, you know, depending on the athlete, that does attract eyes. Um, but the really, I took the Giants because that defense they have. Uh, you have Leonard Williams who's a strong uh, nose tackle, defensive tackle, who can, you know, create a disturbance. Uh, James Bradbury, who is an undercover top quality corner, top 20 kind of guy in the NFL, can, can stick up with the, the top guys. Uh, Jabril Peppers, that guy makes plays, special teams too. So that's a guy I like. Um, Adore Jackson on the corner. He, he's a solid number two, probably on a championship team. He's probably a three, right? More of a depth guy, but he can provide some, some talent. Um, and Xavier McKinney at the safety spot. That guy is probably going to become a top five, top 10. Safe, uh, I believe he's strong safety in the NFL. And he can even kind of, you know, not to the Jamal Adams aspect of being a rover, but he can still be a, uh, a nuisance throughout different positions. Who is uh, who's a guy I really like. Um, when you look at that offense, that line's tough. Andrew Thomas, you know, didn't have a bad year. He can't, he came back a little bit uh, in theory. When you look at Saquon, who I think is, you know, people who who listen to this can't see this, but Barnsley, I'm thinking this on Saquon. Uh, ever he's, since that uh, injury, he's, he's going. He's down. moving his arm in a downward trajectory <laughs> after starting at a very high point. Yes, I wouldn't say Todd Gurley esque. For those who don't know and don't know much about football, he was a guy that had really two great years. Was considered an offensive top- player of the year. Yeah, honestly, could have, and then got injured, and then completely wasn't the same guy again. Ultimately, that's kind of what I'm saying with Barkley. Hopefully he turns me wrong. He's an amazing guy. I've heard, you know, you want to root for him. But I mean, back to the, the options there. You have Sterling Shepard, not bad, solid guy. Uh, Darius Slayton, who can play when, you know, the odd reception, he can he can make something happen. Um, they have a, another wide receiver. I'm blanking. They just signed him off from um, the Lions. Galladay? Galladay, thank you. Galladay, who saw it's six foot five an absolute tree of a wide receiver. Um, so anyways, they have options there. It's just the fact that they've been this bad for so long. And with the recent, you know, everyone saying that Gettleman, the GM is out. So that's kind of why I went with the giants. Plus you're in the division. I know you and I aren't big on the Cowboys. I think they're going to lose this, <laughs> this week and wildcard weekend. Um, but you're playing Washington who really can't figure it out. And then you're playing Philly. I don't know. I'm not big on Philly. That's that's kind of who I went with the Giants. I felt like they have a lot of the right pieces. It's just they got to have, you know, they got to have the guy who's putting the pieces together. And seventh, yeah, they got to get the guy who's putting the pieces together to make it all work. So that's, yeah, uh, that's so why I, I the Giants. I'm, I'm probably I would go hire pick... Flores if I'm New York. Yeah, so I'll I'll tell you where I'm going. I am gonna stick in New Jersey. And I'm going to take over the Jets. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. 
And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why. So that's a team that you've got, you've got two quarterbacks that I think could battle it out. They're younger. I like Mike White. I think he actually, he looked decent in, <laughs> in some starts until he looked really Mike bad. Um, and Zach Wilson, yeah, you know, Wilson, Wilson got off to a, a tough start. He, he battled some injuries. His last couple starts, he started, he started to look good. Um, didn't look great against Buffalo. You know, he got sacked eight times. Yeah, but no one really looks great against Buffalo besides your boy. Um, he looked good against Tampa Bay, though. 19 for 33, 234, a touchdown, um, sacked once. And then he, Jacksonville, I think he ran for almost 100 yards. Like, it's Jacksonville that the guy is showing he's got some some dimensions to his game. Um, I think what kind of attracts me is he's adapting, too. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry for interrupting you. Yeah, you could see uh, that, you know, good. if if anything, if a guy at least starts off poorly but then finishes well, you're willing to accept the poor start, right? Cuz you're sh- it's showing you that th- this player is recognizing the strengths and the weaknesses yeah, no, and moving he's, up from he's the thinking and the he's, NFL. He's actually Yeah. Um their receivers, I like the receivers. Crowder, Barrios, Moore, uh Corey Davis. I I, I think they 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 have a a solid core uh, Denzel Mims as well. They don't really use him all that often. I think he could be a nice like gadget piece similar to, to Tavon Austin. Um, I, I think, I think it's a solid group rushing. I really like Michael Carter. I wanted the dolphins to take him good. UNC. I want to say, is he UNC or was that Javante Williams? Could have been both. I know they had two. Uh, nope. North Carolina. Oh, nice. There we go. There we yeah, go. That's a so th- plus one. I, I think their offense is it's a solid group. Um, the offensive line obviously is an issue, um, and this this is kind of a draft where it lacks those flashy guys. Yeah. Um, but I, th- I think the core pieces that you can build around on the offensive line, the defensive line, uh, your linebackers, I think those pieces are there um, to take. And I mean, the Giants pick fifth and seventh, the Jets pick fourth and tenth. So. You have those picks that are there. I think the Jets have an, another pick as well. I want to say they might have a third pick. I, I can't really remember. I might be thinking of the Eagles. Um, on defense, I mean, still got Quentin Williams, CJ Mosley, uh, Fatasaki. Um, I'm lacking on the, they got a safety or, or a corner. May. 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 But he reportedly wants out. Everybody wants out until they show them the money. So yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's a team that, similar to the Lions, I think they were in a lot of games this year. That and then I mean they also got blown out just as much. So teams kind of you don't really look at the games that they they could have won. But I, I think it's a team that has potential. I like Saleh as a coach. I think he's the right coach for them. I think if they can bring in Flores and kind of go double defensive minded, they could actually be it. Like a backfire though. It it definitely could. Um, It also is dependent on if Flores is willing to kind of take a step back and be a DC again. But I think the team's there with the potential, if it's managed right. Uh, obviously if the draft goes the way that it should for them, the pieces are in place right now. It's kind of, you just need those sprinkles on top of the, the ice cream. 
like it. All right. Perfect. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's always fun to play, uh, you know, pick them. Um, play GM yeah, mode. But, yeah. Maintaining that GM mode, you know, looking into the playoffs. Let's start with the AFC. Um, I will pull up right now the, uh, the matchups. So it's, I've, I've got it for you. It's Chiefs, Steelers, Bills, Pats, Bengals, Raiders. Okay. So, so before we begin, um, you know, I, I kind of made all my notes before Sunday uh, in terms of betting odds. But if you look at this is kind of just here, like where I think a dark horse will emerge. Um, so according to, you know, Sunday morning, uh, the Chiefs are at plus 200, Bills at plus 340, Titans at plus 450, Pats plus 650. For people who don't know about gambling and the odds and how they work, it's pretty much sit by people who expect teams to come out, who are more likely to come out of the conference, right? So that, you know, that the... The confidence is within the Chiefs. I personally think it's going to come down to either the Bills or the Pats. Um, I think whoever wins that game, kind of like we said earlier and more the in the news segment, I don't really have much confidence in Cincy and Vegas. Uh, I do have the dark horse of the Titans with Henry coming back. And, you know, the, those those weeks were really gelled the team saying, you know, people think we're going to fall apart. You know, Vabrils could be coach of the year. That, that team's special, and they'll obviously have home field advantage throughout the playoffs. But, you know, it's I really don't have confidence in the Chiefs. I think that that one and three start, whatever it was, two and two start, is really still in there. And if you've done it before, you can do it again. So despite this 10 and one streak, I really feel like, you know, if the Chiefs come into a defensive battle, you know, Pats have a very strong defense. Titans defense is much more competitive this year than it was last year. And depending on the bills you get that week, they could even throw up a great defensive game. Um, so I think I really think it's going to come down to the bills and Pats. Uh, ultimately, I don't think the winner will come out of the AFC. I really have the NFC. You know, there's I got two teams in mind I like for that. But, you know, what's kind of your take going into the uh, the AFC playoffs? Oh, yeah. No, the AFC is bad. It's yeah. it's not good. Um, I'm with you. Like, I think Cincinnati kind of mops the floor with the Raiders. I think I'm, I'm, I think if the Chargers came in, they would have beaten Cincy. Yeah, no, I, I'd I'd follow you on that. Um yeah, I I like your take. I, I'm kind of with you with the Bills or the Pats. Um Derek Henry coming back, like it, it's a big plus for Tennessee, obviously, but at the same time, that was an injury that a lot of people thought he was shut down for the season, no matter what. And you kind of wonder about guys coming back with that. Um, you don't necessarily know how good he's going to look. So like, you, you got to always take guys coming back with a grain of salt, you know? Oh, really? That's going to, that's going to impact uh, the NFC take. Then. Well, especially with his foot. Like it's his foot. Yeah. It's not like he hurt his arm. It's... He's a running back who <laughs> hurt his foot. You kind of need that. Uh, I mean, the Steelers are a bye. Like, who lets the Steelers in the playoffs? That's a bye week. Like, throw out half your starters, half your practice squad. You'll beat the Steelers if you're a decent team. Like, come on. The Chiefs yeah, don't mop the floor with them. Me. That that kind of scares me with the Chiefs. Is I think that's a game where you're going to build a whole bunch of confidence in yourself. Which I think is something the Chiefs need because Tyree Kill looks like 
he wants to play about himself. a third of the snaps at a hundred percent and then just kind of take a snooze. So I, I'm with you. I think it's, it's the bills or the Pats that comes out of the AFC. I mean, if Derrick Henry so, looks like vintage, like, like mint condition, Derrick Henry, and they don't have to bubble wrap him or put 13 pounds of tape on his foot. Then, then the Titans will probably take the FC, but for now, I'd, and especially with value, I'd go Bills or Pats. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We have the same take again. What a surprise. Um, yeah. Do you have a, a dark horse? I, I don't think you mentioned it. You might have. Or Titans. I mean, if the, if the Bengals get into a whole bunch of shootouts, they could take it. My defense um, shows up. The first half yeah, I mean, of the year defense re- shows up. Realistically, you could have... The, the Bengals could end up playing the the Chiefs it, like in the second round. Bengals have already yeah. beat the Chiefs. Yeah. So it could happen. I don't think it will, but it could. One one argument to say it's like um I think you know this is more applicable in maybe baseball and in hockey, but like the argument of, of a rookie coming into a big moment game. Right. It's like, oh, like the, the rookies are inexperienced. They haven't done that. But football's different, man. If you play college football and you're at one of the top four teams, like a lot of those Bengal players are, LSU, oh, that's, Ohio. That's State, a bigger game. Alabama. Like than the playoff that national games. title game. Yeah, that national title game, I'd say is below the Super Bowl, but above a above a Las Vegas Cincinnati Bengals playoff game. Oh, without so I doubt. think that 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 argument for a rookie, you know, might not show up in that situation. I like maybe for the other sports, maybe for one of the three other of the major four, right? Maybe soccer too, you can include that, right? But I mean, not not for when it comes to college football and, and those big title games. So I think that that argument of, of a rookie there, especially a rookie of, you know, that statue, stature, sorry, a, a top QB, a, a wide receiver, things are like that. It, it won't happen for that game. So I really feel like if the Bengals, you know, if the, what, so the patch would have to win, how'd that work? No, Bills would have to win, so they play the the uh, Titans, and then perfect. So then, yeah, no, I know I think you're right. I think the Chiefs could, you know, fumble that one again, and you know that defeat that defense doesn't show up, and they give up 42 points again. But yeah, I mean, I like that dark horse. So yeah, we both think summarize. Oh, you want to go? Yeah, the only thing I will say about rookies is, like every other sport in the playoffs, defense is that much more emphasized. So yeah, it's a matter sure. of being able to deal with that and not get frustrated. Like I think we see a lot of people, a lot of players do not just rookies, but you know, quarterbacks, veteran wide receivers, veteran running backs. Um, but yeah, like every sport, I mean, phys- like physicality wise, like it's not like hockey, it's not going to get more physical, Yeah. Um, but it's harder to get calls. Uh, the game's not, it's never going to be called the same way in the playoffs as the regular season in any sport. Um, and defense is going to be a lot tighter. So it, it comes down to that. It comes down to just not being frustrated. And if you can do that, you probably stand a pretty good chance. I like it. Let's, uh, let's jump to the NFC now. Um, NFC, uh, similar situation in that, you know, one team moves out. The, uh, excuse me, no, I'm wrong. No, so what was expected of the, of the formatting stayed the same. The 49ers ultimately beat the Rams. That was the only movement possibly with the 49ers coming out and the, and the Saints coming in. But 49ers, you know, 
surprise with the Rams beat them. I mean, the, the matchup looks like this Packers with the bye. You got Tom Brady and Tampa Bay taking on Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. You have, you know, Showtime Dallas against San Fran. And then you got the Rams against the Cardinals. Uh, briefly looking at this, you know, give me your two, uh, your two, your top two, and then a dark horse. Top two are, are the top two. Yeah, I think it's it's the, Buc- yeah. the Buccaneers and the Packers to lose. Um, my dark horse would be the 49ers. I mean, that that team, largely the same team that went to the Super Bowl two years ago. With a better running they, back. Better running back. Um, Jimmy G has shown that he can be elite this year. He, ha- he has had incredible games. And then if he can stay healthy and if they can make sure their defense stays healthy and actually gets through, I, the Packers might be able to stop them, but I don't know if anybody else can. I would have said it's the Bucks to run away with, um, but you know they lost a, a big wide receiver and what is most, what is one of the most ridiculous acts I've ever seen in a sporting event. Other than uh, who was it? We were at the Pats game. Who retired mid game? There's a corner that retired. It was a corner. Yeah. It was a veteran too. I forget something Davis, but that's pretty, that's a pretty high or something. Yeah. Yeah. That's a running back for the Falcons, but yeah, (laughs) I think there was a corner too, but anyways, it's something like that. And I don't think we're ever going to get like the full story on what really happened and who's kind of at fault. It's so, so much. He said, she said, but. Oh, 100%, as it always is in sports, because nobody's actually going to come out with with what happened. <laughs> the truth. <laughs> but, yeah, I think it's it's a three-team race, I think. It, it's Bucks, Packers, 49ers. Yeah, no, I don't hate it. Um, I'm actually going to throw in the Rams. I um, I know it's, it's the Rams, when I've looked, you know, watched all these, talk shows and heard these interviews and stuff it's either there's two thoughts on the rams it's either a you think that they're a legit super bowl contender and you think you can go for or b you think that they're just a it's a fugaze you know they're so unpredictable and you don't really know and you're not really a big supporter that's typically the two stands on them there's no in between i am on the side of supporting the rams i truly think that i'm not impressed with the cardinals they don't scare me at all they can go far uh it's just I'm not impressed by the Bucs either. I've watched them for the past couple of weeks as I've, you know, taken chance on them, but they're not impressing me, man. They're, they're barely beating very poor teams. It's that, that defense will come in and come out. It's not the most consistent thing either. Ultimately said they still won those games, right? They still come out and, and manage to, you know, get a driving, getting a winning drive, you know, having a big stop when they need to. So with that being said, uh, I really think that Pack or the the Rams could come out with this as a dark horse. Like you, I'm gonna go 49ers. I really like the path against the Cowboys. I think with uh, Diggs is out, correct? Going forward, is that no? Is that Bully. different Diggs? Yeah, there's a dig that's out. Yeah. Anyways, anyway, so I even if he is playing, that guy won't matter because they don't throw the balls as much to to have him be impacted. But I really like the 49ers in that Cowboys matchup. Um, I really, that's going to be a good plus odds too. I feel like that's a game that could be the under, you know, with two strong defenses and, you know, defense always wins in the playoffs, but 
I like the 49ers against them. Um, the pack, that's where it comes scary. I, I just, maybe Shanahan could out coach LaFleur. Who's to say that though? They're both are pretty elite coaches. Um, but yeah, I, I like you have faith in the 49ers. I think that's a strong team. Uh, Cardinals, I think are not what they are. Despite JJ Watt coming back and the Eagles won't matter. You know, I won't see a Washington football team part two against Tampa Bay and give them a strong fight. I really think, um, Tampa is going to come out on that one, but that's our, so I've, our I've got, talk. I've got an, an interesting, uh, development for you here. Oh, okay. So it just came out that the Raiders were indeed planning on taking a knee to end overtime last night until the chargers called a timeout, which allowed the Raiders to, to pick up the first down and kick the field goal. What? Good and doing so, Sacha. doing so saved Vegas from what would have been the most expensive day in the last like 25 years. Oh, because yeah, people took the tie. Oh man, that's amazing. Oh, speaking of that, you know what? This is a topic that you and I really love is analytics. So Brandon Staley throughout the year, incredibly aggressive. This is for people who don't know, like, you know, and it, every sport pro league has got kind of their, their three or four guys that are, you know, kind of the face of analytics. And Brandon Staley is the face of analytics for the NFL. This guy will always resort back to the odds. And, you know, if we show we, we take, typically it's, we take chances on fourth down. Anyway, so throughout the year, this guy has taken so many gambles and he's wrong more than he's right. And, you know, you look back at it, you know, typically I'm coming back to, I think, was it week 17 or week 16? Anyway, oh, they could have we won the game our minds. against the Chiefs. Yeah, against the Chiefs. We had a text train thinking, just kick the damn ball, man. We needed the points. We had the over. Any- anyways, anyways, I'm coming back to this. That guy, sh- the Chargers should have been in the playoffs. You look at that offense and you're thinking, and that, you know, qu- mid-quality defense. Well, it's the same as Harbaugh, man, right? Like Harbaugh went for two two-point conversions. Yeah. With less than yeah. five seconds left to try and win games, and he lost both of them. So anyways, it comes back, you know, as a guy who works and I get paid to do analytics, dude, sometimes just kick the ball, like <laughs> just get those guaranteed points. points. Just yeah. Like Bagley was the kicker for um, the chargers. He's not a, he's not, a, you know, he's no Tucker. He's no Robbie gold out in Gould, I think out in San Fran, but I mean, he's no double doink. Oh, what's it? Cody Parkley. Who's now, I don't know where he is. Kickers move all over the place, but anyways, He's a fair kicker. And those kicks, you know, would have been 20, 25, 30 yarders, which is a college college guy range. Ultimately saying, just kick the damn ball, take the points, and move along. But ultimately, you know, charges aren't in the playoffs. You have Herbert on a rookie deal, yada, yada, yada. Um, you know, let's let's kind of jump. Do you have anything else to the NFL, or do you want to jump oh, to uh, NHL? All right. Let's jump to the NHL. Uh what a year it's uh it's been pretty exciting uh the one division in particular your favorite division with the canucks are on a, a heater right now um but before we get to that let's talk about uh our takeaways what are your kind of big takeaways this year yeah yeah goaltenders are looking good man hey i like that i like that show some love for the goalie position yeah no uh i think my biggest takeaways are Ovechkin's not going to slow down and, and goalies are looking good. Perfect. Um, I took more of the approach of uh, team wise. I'm thinking we got our usual suspects, right? We got the lightning dominating. Vegas has come back to life with Eichel coming in soon. It's going to be amazing. 
The Avs are figuring out, although it people are speculating that they're going to move on and try and acquire Flurry. I think if you give up Timmons in a first round pick, you're not going to spend more capital on trying to acquire uh, another goalie unless you think, hey, Chicago, excuse me. Yeah, hey, Chicago, you want to swap Flurry and Kemper? Just a little 1v1. I don't know what they're going to do. I still think that with Frank, people under respect Pavel Frankuz as a backup. That guy is good. Oh, I, I couldn't agree that, more. That guy can stress for number one. If I'm Colorado, obviously Joe Sackick's a god of a GM, but dude, I'm not I'm not calling Chicago, right? I, I have faith in Kemper and Frank Kuz to show you that, you know what? These guys can do it. On a side note too, okay, before I talk about the new additions who I'm surprised this year, if you're, if you're Frank Kuz who just signed a two-year deal last year, I believe his contract's up after next year. If they bring in Flurry, what does that tell you? We don't believe in you. If if you think that they bring another goalie in, despite you know having Grubauer than having Kemper, you know if they bring in a third guy in, dude, I'm not staying there. I'm leaving. If I want playing time over money, I'm leaving. Right. So that's just something to consider if you're you know the the Francouz aspect and whatever. But you know, a new additions to this year teams that I really you know didn't expect to be dominating this much. Anaheim Ducks. That's They've been incredible this year. I think they're second within the the division behind Vegas. Yeah, um, everyone's got game in, games in hand. Yeah. Okay. So well, another surprising aspect is if you look at Anthony Stolarts' numbers, who's the backup, they've been better than Gibson's this year. Gibson's played more. Don't get me wrong. I'm his biggest fan, but Stolarts has been an incredible number two. Uh, the Nashville Predators, you know, back to the the primetime Preds, you know, dominating and winning. Saros is, you know like Rene was in the regular season a couple years back, just shut out after win, after win, after win. What um, happens when you play defense, man? It's pretty good. It's pretty good. And then Ellis, they're looking like a, they definitely won that trade with Ellis playing, what, four games this year for the Flyers. It's got five yeah, it's points. it's killing but, my fantasy team. Oh, yeah, I know. He's a guy that yeah, you'd love to have back. Um, You know, and then the Panthers. We all, we, you and I both expected the Panthers to be good, but I mean, they're like a top four team in the NHL right now. If they didn't have the Tampa Bay Lightning in that division, you're thinking, you know, this is a team that could win the conference, right? They still could even with the Lightning there. Um, but yeah, the Panthers have been very surprising, and it's it's great to see them dominating, especially after Quinville's been out. I mean, it, but it always helps when you've got Buffalo, Ottawa, and Montreal in your division. Oh, absolutely. It's yeah, back to the um, the NFC talk again with those divisions. But yeah, like you said, it's uh. That, that definitely helps with the Panthers, but you know, it's, it's pretty cool to see, you know, diversity in the sense of new teams coming up, but also, you know, you got your reliable ones up there and I can't go, I can't go a podcast without talking about my Rangers and they look no, good. They're, they look good. They look I good, man. They look am good. ready to accept the fact that uh, me saying I wasn't confident in Igor Shesterkin was hogwash. Yeah, you're an idiot. Yeah. You're an idiot. <laughs> Prior to the season, I was talking to, um, no friend of the podcast, Carson's brother. I said hot takes just Sturgeon at the end of I said end of two years, not after the end of this year, will be considered a top three goalie in the NHL. And he's missed he's missed some games this year with injury and COVID. So, you know, hopefully he gets past that. But dude, this guy is absolutely incredible. From from a goalie coach's perspective, you watch him, there, there really isn't much to pick at. He's truly an amazing goalie. So, you know, seeing him success and seeing him have such success and looking towards that team in the playoffs. That's a team that's built for the playoffs too. So it's um, pretty, pretty excited about the Rangers this year. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I'm still going to put my man Demko. I I, I still think okay. Demko is above Shesterkin. But uh, right. you're on your it, own there. It's getting close. It's getting close. So so let's uh, let's talk Oilers. You know, this is a this is gonna be a big segment. This is a team that uh, two nine and one in their Talker last. Jack, you can't win if your goalies can't stop the puck. This is oh, you gotta see these notes I have here. So I might kind of take the reins on this one because it's gonna be um, a lot of goalie talk right now. But then I'll get you in with the scoring aspect. So let's let's dive into the Edmonton Oilers goalie tandem this year. You got. Koskinen at 12-7-1 with a record of a 3.19 goals against average and a 900 save percentage. In theory, that's your starter. Your backup with Smith, who has been injured for most of this year, is 2-2-1 with a 3.77 goals against average and an 8.98 save percentage. And the goalie with your best numbers is an AHL starter in Stuart Skinner with a 4-5 record, a 2.7 goals against average, and a .916 save percentage. When with me saying all that, right, it's probably the biggest area of concern is there is no gap. There's no difference in skill between your starter and your backup, which in theory, you know, with a with a team that wants a tandem level, you're, you'd be excited about that. But when both of them are playing at this poor of a level, it leads you to believe what the hell is going on with this team? They don't know how to play either defense and they don't know how to play the position of goalie. Um, I think Koskinen's terrible. I do not have high aspect, uh, high expectations with him. Mike Smith is an older guy. And with that being said, you know, he did have a 933 save percentage last year. But let's like, we can't expect Tom Brady out of him. Like, we can't expect a guy to get older and maintain that high level of play or a slightly reduction of that play, right? He's jumped from a 933 to an 898 save percentage. If you're, if you're a goalie with an 898 save percentage, you're not playing in the NHL. You're you're gonna either get sent down through waivers, or you're just gonna We're get playing pumped. for Arizona. Oh yeah, hey man, Carl, what's his name? Veljelmica. I can't pronounce that. He's been he's, he's uh, been finished decent. Oh man, he's been really good. When you're getting forty saves a game and you're only losing games three two, <laughs> good for you, man. I'm pretty excited for him. Um, three thirty goals against and nine oh four save. Shout out to him. Okay, he's killing it. Yeah, it's those are good numbers for that. That's like my Buffalo numbers. If you check out at a He's getting that guy's getting so many high scoring chances a game. It's ridiculous. Anyways, back to the Oilers. You know, you look at that that tandem and you're thinking so many issues. This kind of goes back to, you know, there's almost a a um, a belief system or a a um, what's the word for it? Like a thought process when you're when you're creating a goalie tandem in the in the NHL. There's typically there's there's five levels and you can correct me if I'm wrong. You, you know, you know, through our experiences, you're learning about the goalie game. There's the clear starter. You got your clear number one and then you have your clear number two. This leads me to believe like teams like Tampa, your your Vancouver Canucks, um, Habs with Price, uh, Winnipeg, um, Chicago this year, uh, Avs most of the time without Kemper being injured uh, and then Blues as well. So those are the teams as well as Nashville teams. I consider clear number ones and a number two, you know, you can make an argument for Anaheim if it wasn't for injuries as well as Caroline. And then you have the tandem, right? Teams that are clearly, they rotate one, a one B they play the hot hand, right? Whatever it may be. I got teams like the Detroit Red Wings, the Dallas stars, Los Angeles Kings, uh, San Jose sharks, 
uh, Washington Capitals, Pens, Isles, Jackets, Rangers, Kraken, to a degree. Yeah. Oh, I got something for the Kraken. Yeah. I, I put the Flames um, with the clear starter just with how good Markstrom's been. Yeah. Maybe they've been saving him a little bit, not overworking him. But anyways, I got something for the Kraken. Don't worry. Um, and then you have, you know, the young starter, older backup. Essentially like a um, a like a mentorship role. You know, yeah. something that the Flyers had with with uh, Carter Hart Elliot. and Brian Elliott, right? An older guy to kind of tell him, you know, this is how you do it. Uh, another team that kind of comes to mind is now Tampa with Vasilevsky and Elliott. I'm not sure if Vasilevsky needs too much mentoring at this point, but that's an argument there you can make. Um, another team you can you can add that in. So what Pittsburgh tried doing with Mamory and Flurry. Yeah, exactly. Right, it, it's been done before. It's going to be done again in, in the future. And then you have the reverse. You have an older, established starter and a young backup. You know that's something you might look to at Chicago. You have Flurry coming in. Lankinen, who showed time in the past that he can be a starter, right? You're kind of looking through that mentorship role again there. Can say Minnesota's in that. Yeah, absolutely. Talbot with um, Kakinen. Uh, Kakinen, exactly. Thank you. Um, Dallas Stars to a degree. I mean, you had Kadobin in there coming off a Stanley Cup run who looked like he was going to be the clear starter. And Ottinger coming in as the backup. Um, another team, the uh, Kings, right? Cal Patterson with the clear trade of Campbell has shown that he's going to be the guy going forward. Um, he's had a tough year. Quick's actually taken back the number one role, but that's another team in which you think, okay, you have an older, you know, starter, but a young backup, maybe fifth, whatever you get the point. Um, and then there's teams who are in the panic mode section. You have the uh, Ottawa senators who look like they made the mistake in giving Joey Decord, who, you know, was the, in my belief, the best goalie for them last year but not, you know, he's been the number three this year in Seattle. Uh, they have just, they're just flowing through guys. Murray experiment was a failure. He's now playing with the Bennington senators or Belleville senators, I guess now they're called uh, the Kraken who they thought Grubauer was going to be the clear guy. And then they, you know, going in, they thought the strength was going to be their goaltending. Not so much this year. Both guys are below a 900 save percentage. And then you have the Arizona coyotes. Uh, the, oh, but the the stud you know they will say i can't pronounce his last name but jelmica whatever his name is you know you'd want to say he's the starter he's 26 um a little bit older than you want to say just let him run with it for the future that's still a guy you're probably thinking you know despite a, a draft pick coming in the near future as the guy but then you have um carter hutton who they going into the season was thought going to be the backup that's not happening um they got ivan prosterev who is a guy that played, I believe for the Flint Firebirds in the OHL. He's supposed to be pretty good. He played, a, I think two games in the NHL this year it was very tough. I think he gave up seven goals or something. Um, but anyways, that's a team where it's like, okay, it's either, you know, we have to bring someone in no matter what, even if uh, I think his first name is Carl Carvel or something is going to be the guy going forward. We still got to bring a guy in. Okay. So knowing all this and then seeing where the Edmonton Oilers fit in, how would you consider their, their goaltending? within uh, the NHL panic. landscape panic mode. Absolutely. Without They're hitting that panic button so quickly. So this also brings me into how are their goaltending so bad this year within the division they play against, right? So if you look at goals for per game this year, um, the Oilers are ninth in the NHL. All right. If you're ninth in the NHL, you should be winning most of your games. This, this whole, you know, if we can just outscore our opponents, which is what they most likely can do in this division, they should be winning a lot more than these two nine and one records. So to look down the list, Vegas is number two. 
Anaheim's number 11. Flames are number 14. Sharks are 18. Kings are 22. Kraken are 21. And the Canucks are 26. All right. When you're, when you're playing these teams, these teams can't score. And if you can score ninth, and you're ninth in the NHL in scoring, why aren't you winning, you know, 80, 65% of your games, right? This goes to show you that their goalies are playing this poor to the point where they're forced to score five goals to win a game 5-4, right? They're, they're forced to, you know, perform at this elite elite status with Dreisaitl and McDavid to barely win games. This is a disaster problem. You, you know, we, we highlighted this division as being the worst division in hockey. And if you're watching hockey, you're seeing the Vancouver Canucks are on a roll right now, right? With uh, fire Bruce Boudreaux. Fire is in like, like, good, like a good connotation, right? Bruce, He's been killing it. Is. Yeah, so, so I'm scared for them. Flames are still doing well. Ducks don't look like they're going to fall off. Vegas clearly has the number one. The Kings are still a 500 team, right? Like, Sharks are going to fall off. Yeah, okay. Well, absolutely. Sharks are going to fall off. You and I both thought they're going to come dead last again. So ultimately saying, you know, Edmonton is, this is really going back to the 2020 offseason. This is really going back to the Oilers, you know, have done this in the past where they can score, but they can't, they can't keep it out of the net. Um, if you look at the 2020 NHL offseason, you know, you and I got into it because we thought, I thought they did a poor job and you were very excited about the Kyle Turris signing, right? Tyson Berry, you know, Mike Smith, they made some nice moves, right? Dominic Cahoon, Pulley coming back, who at times looked like this is a great guy. This is a top six forward. And then you look at his plus minus, you look at his advanced analytics and you're thinking, yeah, maybe he's not. Um, Tyler Ennis coming in, but you know, that off season goalie movement, you had Braden Holtby. I know you don't like Holtby. He's won a cup. He's actually been half decent for the stars this year. He just had a rough year again with so it's a different style too. If I'd rather have him over Mike Smith and Nico Koskinen, um, Jake Allen, who at times has been solid for the Habs. It's tough playing with that decor this year. Last year, he opened right season. Uh, They're a team that needs to call Minnesota or they need to call Columbus. Like they need to call somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Like Markstrom, who the the rumor was they were interested in them, right? That they just weren't willing to match what Calgary was for financial. But if you look at, you saw Markstrom last year, you saw Markstrom million dollars a year at the very least just to say just to say competitive and then this is something with jack campbell i personally am not surprised by i'm just surprised by this great of a play yeah. i wasn't surprised by his play last year when you watch la king's games you saw what he did the kings were almost on the pace of like i'd say almost a crack in this year they had one or two guys who could score but they really couldn't score much he was keeping them in games he outplayed quick Right. That's guy who's debatable, future Hall of Famer. Right. Campbell can play. And this whole to the Leafs move, I wasn't surprised at all. I thought that was a great move by Dubis. And you saw the immediate um, improvement to the Leafs team. And then this year, oh, I can't, I didn't think he was going to be this good this year. But ultimately saying, you know, the, the Oilers for the past three years can't, can't uh, trade for a goalie or sign one. Right. And that's kind of been the downfall. Or either, if you're not going to do that, go bring in elite defensive defensemen, right? You lost Adam Larson. Rather than paying right? Nurse nine and a half million. Yeah. You, you lost Ethan Bear, right? Barry's been good, but he we all know his but own you know defensive who they did play. Get? 
Cody CC. Oh yeah, we yeah Cody to a three year what three and point eight five yeah something like that best yeah, agent you can say an overpay. So ultimately, saying is there's one solution to this team and it's goaltending. Right. What do you think? Obviously, I'm biased being the, the goalie fishing out. Oh, man. What do you what is your take I, on that? Yeah, I agree. Like call somebody who has a backup goalie like now. <laughs> like, like, I, sell, yeah. sell the farm like I don't, you have the two two of the four best players in the NHL. Like. Do something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so before we jump to the what's missing narrative, um, what is, uh, do you have anything? I know we're kind of crunched on time today. Busy, you're a busy man, busy man. I'm being laid off. I have very manageable hours, but what, uh, done thing, something else before we want to jump to what's missing? No, we, we got, we can go right to what's missing and I, I got it. Uh, you got I, uh, it. I love I it. All right. It. I, I, got I got a good one too. I want to really add in, but yeah, go for I, it. Uh, I, you know what? I, we already, there's an article on it on the website I, right yep, now. Yep. A development league for the NFL. That's what's missing. I love you know, it. too too often we see guys who are you know they're they're struggling to to be able to compete, uh, struggling to be able to train. I mean, a lot a lot of guys like the CFL's there. You've had the Arena Football League, which I think I think yeah, got, but that yeah, it was never really built to be a feeder. It was built to like no oh some the drunks th- on the a thing Thursday is, night to come in and, <laughs> and every different guys league shit plays a different version of football. Just so it's, it's not like you can't just pick a guy and, and throw him there. It's kind of like European hockey and North American hockey. Like the guys can come in, but it takes, it takes a little bit of adaptation. Like they're going to have to learn a bit. Plus, I mean, and truly it, it is like European hockey, you know, CFL, bigger field, um, bigger ball, <laughs> bigger ball, <laughs> three downs, three downs. So like, stupid. It, it's, it's just dumb. Like but I get, and I get, it's financially it's just struggling. Like they had to get government grants to, to run. So I, I think the NFL buys out the CFL. Uh, they throw some, some teams in Mexico city in Europe, start a, start a developmental league. You know, obviously your, your prospects can be affiliated with, with these teams and with, with NFL teams and they can be called up at any time, but like you can have practice squad, squads as well. You know, they can add act as taxi squads act. Um, but I think that's what needs to happen. That's what's missing. Here, I keep talking for a little bit. I'm searching up something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean I mean it it allows for for them to capitalize on the interest they've built in Mexico City, on the interest they've built in London with with the international series games, and you don't have to like have teams lose home games to go overseas. You don't have to like instill buys because the travel time is so bad to come back. Like you can have teams actually operate there permanently. Perfect. So, so the other thing too, is the, um, there's 125 division one football teams, right? And we see every year the, um, players fall through the, the, the cracks, right? Undrafted guys come on to, you know, there's probably what, 10 or 12 legitimate all-stars who are undrafted meaning, right. The point of this is there's clearly talent that falls through and there's still more to be offered. Right. I totally love the, the whole developmental league. I think it's, I think if it's ever going to happen, it's going to happen within the next three years. Cause I say that because the X was it the XFL is that the league that the rock bought. Yep. 
he partnered with the CFL, right? Is well, that- he wanted to, but they wouldn't. Okay. All right. I thought they did. So anyways, then I think that was a huge mistake. Like that guy's the biggest star in the world right now, right? Why wouldn't you want to partner with him? But ultimately what my, what my point is, is I think the XFL is becoming, I don't, it was a success. Was it not the, that eight months that oh, it was for running the, for the six weeks that it ran? Yeah. Six, right? Okay. Six weeks, even better. So I think it's, it's only a matter of time till that becomes the feeder league. Right. And I think it's, it could be built in a market, which could be completely um, transferable, right? Play, play some Wednesday night games, right? That'd be your time. So in case a guy needs to get called up, you know, COVID list, flu, flu list, oh, um, uh, practice, right? You built it to where it could easily become a feeder, right? And we also see, you know, the, the quality of Canadian football is increasing as well, right? So you see, um, you know, you and I hate, okay, that's a strong word. You and I just like Chase Claypool, right? We don't like him, although the safety for, for uh, the Miami Dolphins, Jevion Holland is a fucking stud. Love that guy. He's, he's a good Canadian boy. Uh, Chubba Hubbard, you know, if any of these guys want to come on the podcast, that'd be fun. We've all DM'd you at least three times. <laughs> um, anyways, Canadian talent is increasing, right? In the CFL, despite your your love for the CFL, there's always five or ten guys every year where you're thinking, you know, despite maybe the the playing opportunity, they could go play in the NFL. You're telling me some of these guys can't? Like, there's easily a handful of guys could easily be a quarterback somewhere. Oh yeah, you're seeing guys like Ian Book throw the football around like we like, saw come on yeah like no no not happening um so i definitely think the talent's there right it's it's not that issue it's just it's I don't, is it the cfl's pride like they're not willing to 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 do it i, I they don't think know that i think the government Canadian has some stakes gonna, in it like guys like at this point we can't get fans into the stadium like how are you gonna make money like the tv deals are important but like the cfl is built through tickets like butts and seats man that's how you got to pay for those players that you barely pay <laughs> like like yeah, i don't you know why you're... players that have to be realtors or car salesmen on the side or teachers or like yeah like i don't get it man and then you see the nfl like your teams are you got teams worth five billion dollars like you're like if an nfl team like a top end team like i imagine you know not the bungles like uh, you throw like the pats the 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 um the cowboys the cowboys like the the top teams if they build an affiliate and they create a feeder that's gonna like that team itself is gonna be worth worth more than half the nhl teams (laughs) absolutely so i feel like you know a great point my point you know is gonna be a little bit longer so it's gonna be difficult but that's a great idea in terms of the infrastructure is there football is growing and it gets international money in too not just north american Absolutely. So that's, that's a great point. Um, All right. Yeah. Take over. I'll keep my what's missing narrative very short, but you know, despite, you know, my favorite NFL team firing their coach when I was taken away, but I firmly believe that you, you can't like, you got to stop firing coaches after three years, like unless they're brought in for a specific narrative, um, develop the quarterback. Um, Some coaches are strictly return guys, right? Like, like um, uh, Hitchcock, right? That guy is a guy that's considered a turnaround guy, guys that can, you know, develop young guys. And then he moves on. That's the understanding. If you look at the top tier coaches in the NBA, in the NHL, in the NFL, these guys are there for five, eight, 10 years, right? You got Eric Spolstra, Miami, Greg Popovich. You got Barry Trotz in the Islanders, right? I mean, he was there a long time with, um, 
before Washington. I forget who it was. Uh, Quinville was there a long time with Chicago, fired for different reasons. Laviolette, right? Five, six years every year. You got NFL, Bill Belichick, Mike Tomlin, John Harbaugh. I'm not an idiot. I know all these guys are considered the best in their league, but you can't find the best in your league without going and giving these guys a legitimate try for three, four years, right? You see the, the Cleveland carousel. You see the the uh, the Buffalo carousel. These bottom-tier teams stay bottom-tier by constantly changing the culture, by changing the narrative, by firing these guys after eight months. Like, you don't establish anything by firing guys so quickly. Like you got to give them a try. Anyways, this is not a new topic. Um, this is something you and I have talked about long, lar- largely too off-air. But, you know, in a two-minute summary, what is your take on that? Oh, I agree. Like, I don't know what you think somebody's going to come in and do in an eight month span of one season. I don't know how you think somebody's going to come in, completely change the roster around, change the culture around. I mean, that's, that's minimum a three-year build. Um, I, you, unless can, the guy you, is a, oh, go ahead. Unless you're coming in and you're, you're taking over a roster like Matt LaFleur, LaFleur did where it, it's a roster that's still making the playoffs. And it's literally just like, they think the coach has kind of hit a rut. He's plateaued. The team's not going to do anything better. If you're taking over a dumpster team, it, it's going to take years to to recover from that, especially teams like Detroit where they have nobody. Like a team like, or Pistons, or we've been talking anyone <laughs> a lot in of Detroit. Today. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the wings, buddy, Stevie Y, Stevie Plan. But yeah, no, no you're right. You're totally no. You I agree. Yeah. The only time I think it's ever justifiable in firing Urban a coach Meyer. after a short stint, he's out here kicking players. He's out here going to bars on a, on a game game night when that's largely, you know, it's a big no, no within the NFL community, right. Or uh, who else is a clear, not going to fit. Um, I want to do an NHL one. Well, like uh, the, the Sabres guy, right. That fired in before they brought in the, the guy they currently have. Yeah. He uh, was supposed to be the guy, the future. It clearly didn't work. This guy has been, you know, pretty good. I'm excuse, excuse me for not knowing his name, but players like him. Uh, apparently the, the, the owners like him anyways, you got to give coaches time. You can't find the next Mike Tomlin in two years. You got to give him a leash random topic of the day. We had this conversation off air, but you know, the Manning cast, the Manning Mondays have been a gigantic success to the point where the MLB has pretty much said, we're going to try and fit a rod with someone, right? That's kind of the large expectation that Alex Rodriguez is going to do it. I'm going to give you my list of, you know, my top six guys. And then while well, it gives you time to think, but give me two guys right from each pro league, NBA, NHL, and the MLB that you think would be a great fit. NBA. I got Matt Barnes and JJ Reddick. These are two oh. guys with a completely different uh, outlook on basketball. JJ Reddick was a shooter, more of an offense than a defensive guy. Matt Barnes was a guy that was defense, then focused on offense. Matt Barnes has an, absolutely incredible um playing tenure uh and even playing at ucla this guy was you know i know a little bit about him just from watching him all the smoke podcast but barnes is an incredibly cool guy a lot of guys love him too like a lot of the nba guys love him and jj reddick if you ever heard that guy speak oh it's incredible that guy's amazing speaker and three-point shooter that guy can relate well to the game and he's fresh out of the game too not that barnes isn't but reddick was playing this time last year like if you're going to get a guy that can speak at that level and play the game at that level, he's no one, there's no one better than him. NHL. I got Jerome McGinley. That guy kind of like the two pur- purposes of the guys above 
can play all around, was a goal scorer, was a hitter, right? Was a fan favorite. People across continents love him, right? And like North America loved that, that guy. Played played the Boston way too when he was there. Uh, did well your uh, in the European uh, landscape too. I know that there's a bit of a following there. And I'm going Lungfist, despite the fact that that guy's a good looking dude. You got European appeal with him with Sweden. Uh, the goalie aspect. We're quickly seeing that you know uh, position players. So in the sense of quarterbacks, really understand the game well of football. Kurt Warner. Um, Dan Orlovsky, I, I know, I know, I don't like him. I know you don't like him too much. Is that fair to say? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Matt Mannings, obviously. So the quarterback I think is going to become like the, the, the goalie position just because you see the game at a different angle, kind of like safeties. I was looking at Ed Reed to, for this role with the NFL, but that's already taken. Um, and then MLB, a rod that guy can, he's a good speaker and CC Sabathia. He's gone a little bit into the media game. He was a Yankee. I don't like the fact that there's two Yankees in there. That's tough. But I mean, he did play for the Cleveland Indians, RIP, Cleveland Guardians, uh, was a pitcher too. So you get different aspects of the game. Um, and he's very funny. He's a very funny guy. And and now he was beloved in all locker rooms he was in. And that's kind of, you know, my top six list. Um, what, right, what are your I'm, I'm going to, I'm just going to speed through mine. <laughs> so NHL, I'm going Sean Avery. And Bobby Lou. Oh, all right, I like it. I think that's a that's a dynamic duo yeah. and a half. Um, NBA, I'd like Tim Duncan in there. I think he he has similar to uh, Peyton Manning and in knowledgeable, and I think the guy's actually like pretty sneaky funny. Yeah, and he's not a coach anymore too. So it's and like, I like Chris Bosh. Yeah, that. I love Chris Bosh. Oh, I. Honestly, I think I'm like top three of his fans. I love, I was listening to an interview the other day, motivational interview. I love that guy with passion. Uh, MLB, I think Munanori Kawasaki would be hilarious. You remember yeah. that guy? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. Um, or, yeah, I think having a guy like Mark Burley could be interesting too. He he is a little bit drier, but I think the experiences he's had, obviously, he's a guy that's thrown a perfect game. I think it'd be a, an interesting perspective to to have as a fan. I uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, without sounding bad, but you gotta sound realistic. I really want to like Mariano Riviera. Yeah, yeah. But I know that like with interviews, his English isn't the greatest. But I think if you're doing solely oh, based that's, off of that's like the same thing with Kawasaki, like yeah, that's yeah. really just that humor. guy's the best. That guy's the best relief pitcher in all of baseball ever, right? And he played for the Yankees, but I mean, people like him. So it's, it's a different type of Yankee player, oh, yeah. right? So it's, that would be good. Um, but yeah, I mean, big poppy would have been cool. He was beloved too. home run hitter. He's very, uh, a good speaker when he is called upon. Oh yeah. But yeah. Ultimately, you know, episode 69. Thanks for listening. I know delayed move Monday. Why it's got a big meeting. So this episode will be coming out a bit later. This is on me for, um, for being this late, but you know, Barnsley, what uh sign us off here, buddy. Yeah, you know, thank you for coming back. Thank you for uh, staying with us through this extended little little holiday uh, snooze fest here. But uh, yeah, 69, you know, we made you wait for it. It's a special number, special episode. Have a fantastic day and an even better week. Perfect. Moo. Moo.